all back at it, and all is right in the world. Why? Well, because your Milwaukee Brewers back in first place over the weekend, baby. A sweep and domination of the Reds. Oh, it was a pitching domination. And then turned into uh, a little offensive explosion yesterday. Rowdy, how's it feel? Brewers up two games now. Good morning, by the way. Hope you had a good weekend. How's it feel that the Brewers two games up on the Reds, first place in the NL Central? Yeah, what a weekend for the Milwaukee Brewers. And not only a weekend for the Milwaukee Brewers, how about the last two series for the Milwaukee Brewers? Five and one against the Cincinnati Reds, the team that yeah. you're basically battling for the NL Central. And not only five and one, but... They were a late Colin inning or a Colin Ray and a relief pitcher blow up away from six and oh sweep. Yeah, the team before the All Star break, then the team right after the All Star break. Some crazy stats coming out of the weekend. Um, uh, this is before the Sunday game. Uh, How would you like this for history? I uh, will start with the Reds' historic performance first. The Cincinnati Reds. This is from Saturday after the game Saturday. The Cincinnati Reds are the first team. In at least 130 years, with zero runs and less than eight hits in a three-game span. Rowdy, that's a long time, especially for baseball. When did, when did baseball start again? Roughly a decade after, <laughs> after the Silver, uh, Civil, Civil War. War. The Reds are the first team in, the, in at least 130 years with zero runs and less than eight hits in a three-game span. How would you like to be on that side of history, Rowdy? It would be pretty good, would it? No, we're, we have enough bad history with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, in fact... Let's, um, let the Brewers celebrate. The Brewers actually had bad side of history before the All-Star break. This one, De La Cruz stole, what, was it second, second third, third, and home? and then home. Yeah, the, that was the first time that it happened, I think, in the modern era, or since 1919 or some crap like that. And then, how about this for good news for the Brewers? I know Rowdy sent this stat uh, over the weekend in our TM group. Over the last two games, this is Saturday, over the last two games, or uh, yeah, into Saturday, over the last two games... The Brewers pitchers have struck out 32 Reds batters while allowing zero runs. That's the most strikeouts without allowing a run by any Major League Baseball team over a two-game span in the modern era. So there is good news for the Brewers, Rowdy, uh, entering into that Saturday affair with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, dude, the offense really didn't do much besides yesterday, but that pitching remains uh, just dynamite in a, you know, like in a season where we're wondering, like, what the hell is going on with all our arms? You got to be feeling good about the crew, though, Rowdy. And um, you got Christian Yelich absolutely dominating. My God. I mean, I, what's there to say about the Brewers besides dominance over the Reds? Yeah, now uh, it's like total Brewers, right? Right when you think, well, you know, we got some big time series down the stretch here leading up to the All Star break, and then a big, you know, second half of the month of July after the All Star break. What are the Brewers going to do? Will they come out here, play extremely well, even with having to put Rowdy Tellez on the IL we'll with, a, with a crazy injury we'll or crazy losing like a Brian Anderson who's been a starter for you pretty much all year? And now, like typical Brewers, I'm now fully expecting them to take a huge nosedive. <laughs> later this month against like the Braves and Phillies. And right when we start to get up on top of like this mountain, we will fall off. Yeah. I mean, that's classic Brewers, right? Well, they got the, they have today off Phillies coming up in Philadelphia. Then as Rowdy said, the Braves at American family field over the weekend. And then the freaking Cincinnati Reds again uh, at AmFam field. And then the close out the month of July, you go back, but against the Braves, but this time it's in Atlanta and then close out with the Nats and the Reds. So the Reds, they actually play a pretty tough July's uh, month of games too. So it's, it is when you look at it for, for a brewer standpoint, you're like, wow, well, we just finished playing the Reds. We now have the Phillies and Braves. It's like, those are two current playoff teams. If the season ended today, and I know you play the Braves again, Cincinnati again, multiple times, it is a tough month of July, but Cincinnati's got a tough month of July too. Yeah. And if you can go play respectable baseball against Philly and Atlanta, and you take two out of three again from the Cincinnati Reds, you got to be liking your chances heading towards the end of July into August. Yeah, I'm looking at 538. Just I haven't looked at this for a, a little bit, actually. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, Brewers, uh, 84 and 78 projected record, a 55% chance of making the playoffs and a 49% chance of winning the division. 
You go down a little bit. The Cubs, uh, they're 79 and 83, 26% chance of making the playoffs, 20% chance of winning the division. The Cardinals, 75 and 87, a 9% chance to playoffs, 7% chance to win the division. And then you look at the Reds, they're projected at 79 and 83, a 25% chance to playoffs, 20% chance uh, division. And then the Pirates, to wrap it all up, 72 and 90, with a four, worse than the Cardinals, 4% chance of making the playoffs and a 3% chance of the division. So the Rowdy Brewers got the best shot of it all. They're the only team with the projected win total of in the eight, yeah. 80s. Well, the things haven't really changed. No, I mean, the Milwaukee the Brewers continue to have the inside track to make the postseason and win the Central. And the only team that's really for a, we'll say, a longer period of time that has been favored to win the Central. Yeah was the Cardinals basically coming into the season. And clearly the Cardinals have not been a good team. No, they have, no. In fact, um, well, remember when the Pirates were first place in the NL Central and were like, especially like, all right, give them a little bit, they'll fall to the earth. And then the Cardinals were last. Well, the Pirates are now down to second to last. They're 41-52, and 52, the Cardinals 40-53. and 53. So the Pirates are coming back down uh, to reality. And then, I don't know, do the Reds have staying power, Rowdy? Do, are the Reds going to be a thorn in the Brewers' side for the rest of the second half of the season? Or could we see, I don't know, I mean, well, if the, the Cubs Reds, are eight games if, back. If the Reds don't have staying power, this is the Brewers' NL Central. Yeah, uh, the Cubs, again, are eight games back. The Pirates, ten and a half, and the Cardinals, eleven and a half. When um, you were on vacation, Zach and I were talking about it, and it was, in my opinion, a two-horse race. And... You were betting on whether the Milwaukee Brewer veterans like the Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez and those type of players that have been having down years come back around and become, you know, what they used to be or where you would expect them to be. Mm -hmm. And you get some of these guys back, whether it be bullpen arms or starting rotation depth or I don't know, like your second best pitcher, like Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, you rely on that or. If you're Cincinnati, it's going to be a bunch of young guys that uh, are not not very MLB tested, <laughs> and which one will rise to the top? Because all the other teams to get to, because we we're saying 86, 87 wins looks like it probably wins a central. Yeah. None of the other teams, Chicago, Pittsburgh, <laughs> or St. Louis, could play at that rate. Like, th- there's no way they were going to continue to win. I I believe it was. The Cardinals had to win like roughly 70% of their games. Ooh, There's no way. It's not possible. Uh, it was Pittsburgh had to win like 63% of their game. There's no way. No. The Cubs had to win 61% of their games. There's no way. No. The only two teams that had a legit chance coming up to the All-Star break was like Cincinnati and Milwaukee. Yes. Now, which one would you rather have? The vets that have been playing down or the young kids who have been playing over their heads? Well, speaking of the young kids, Rowdy, the Brewers held Ellie De La Cruz to 0 for 12 with five strikeouts while sweeping the Reds in Cincinnati. 0 for 12. I thought this guy was like the next best thing since sliced bread in Major League Yeah, there was a lot of chatter about Ellie De La Cruz coming into this series about, uh, you know, how he's just, you know, a superstar. Yeah. yeah, he's a phenom. He's he's this. He done something that no one has ever done, or he's done something that hasn't been done in years. Yeah. What happened? Well, that that got quieted quite quickly. What happened, Rowdy? Uh, Brewers shut his ass down. Uh, let's see here. I think it's hilarious though that the Brewers went into the All Star break beating the Reds one to nothing, and then came right out of the All Star break Friday night beating the Reds. One to nothing. It's just like picked up right where they left off. Um, you know, you have uh, God who was just absolutely balling for uh, it was Corbin Burns, thirteen strikeouts on Friday. That dude uh, only gave up two hits as well in six innings pitched, and then the bullpen has been absolutely lights out for the Brewers these past games since they've been back. I mean, Pagero, Piams, you have Devin Williams picking up Whoa. saves left and right. That's that's the reason the the bullpen over over the last week or so. There's been a lot of appearances for Devin Williams, Elvis Peguero, and Joel Piams, which they've been arguably your best three relievers all year. Yeah. So thankfully, you haven't had to use the lower leverage guys. No, um, I saw our guy Kinger. What's up, Kinger? One of the uh, many handsome guys up there in Shano. Uh, he you know, quote tweeted. Um, Craig Council given a thing about Devin Williams and uh, Kinger says since when does Council listen to his players? This is what Council said about Devin Williams uh, picking up another save yesterday. Um, you know he came in today and he said I want the ball today in, in, uh, in the ninth. Um, 
and uh, it worked out, and he pitched a great inning and, and uh, one run game. Now, aren't you glad, Rowdy? I know you're going to say yes because you already said that that he didn't pitch in the All Star game. He said workload's been a little too much. I'm going to sit out. And now Devin Williams actually played in meaningful games and picked up big saves and you know helped the Brewers. I don't know get into the win column. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Or how about uh, Devin Williams saying, "Nope, I know I've pitched two days in a row, but I'm ready to grab the ball third day yeah. in a row, and we'll figure out." tomorrow tomorrow yeah he's like you know what i don't need to be pitching in this all-star game because it's absolutely meaningless how about i do it when it matters and that's what he's like craig council give me the ball and king's right in this rowdy since when does craig council listen to his players i mean you've seen brandon woodruff come out the mound corbin burns come off the mound when they've had like a, a no hitter going uh and council just tells them to go sit their ass down uh, nice to see counts Right there, listen to his players. Still no news. You haven't heard anything, right, besides us a couple of weeks ago talking about how council, like the Brewers are letting it up to council to decide if he wants to come back or not? Nothing. Not a word. Not a word. All right, Brewers, uh, there's also some funny stories out there, speaking of uh, relief pitchers that I'll have to get to as the trade deadline uh, approaches. I got X-Ray Punk up in lacrosse. Shout out to WKTY listening area. So, so are the Brewers buyers now at the trade deadline? Well, you thought they were buyers last year, and what do they do? They sold away Josh Hader. Rowdy, the buyer, Brewer, Brewers going to be buyers coming up here? There are rumors that they might be connected to Josh Hader. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what I was alluding to just a little bit ago. Uh, some funny stories about you know the If pen. they do that, I swear. Would it be Matt Arnold writing the wrongs of David Stearns? Well, that, that, would, be, that would be everything the Brewers aren't. That would be acquiring Josh Hader. And taking on his salary. Now, it would probably be if he's making over 13 or so, they would be acquiring, we'll just say just for fun, like five-ish million, five-plus million dollars that they would have to uh, be on the hook for. <laughs> we know they don't like to add money or bigger-time money. And they got some air conditioning units to buy coming up here. Um, what else? Oh, um, he's under contract for just the rest of the season, so he would be entering free agency, so he would completely be a rental uh-huh. and you would have to give up prospects. And because Josh Hader is an all-star and because Josh Hader is having one of his better seasons, you'd have to give up some pretty pennies. Even, even just being a rental, you would probably have to give up at least one good prospect. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's everything the brewers don't do. Yep. And, and, and they were the ones that got rid of them to begin with a history over the weekend. Brewers on the good side of it though. After Saturday's game, this is badass. The Reds are the first team in at least 130 years with zero runs and less than eight hits in a three-game span. And then heading into uh, heading into the Saturday game, it was after Saturday game, but heading into it, over the last two games, Brewers pitchers have struck out 32 Reds batters while allowing zero runs. That's the most strikeouts without allowing a run by any Major League Baseball team over a two-game span in the modern era. You look at that bullpen. Elvis Figueroa, Joel Piams each delivered scoreless innings Friday and Saturday tight games when they were needed. Uh, Hobie Mildner delivered two scoreless one-hit innings. Uh, Devin Williams locked down saves in all three games without allowing a hit. That is absolutely electric. As uh, his decision to rest at the All-Star game proved wise, he's pitched in eight of the Brewers' past 11 games and has been absolutely crushing it. Craig Council, uh, the Brewers' manager, he talks on the strong bullpen. Uh, here, take a listen. He just continues to you know, pitch really well. Um, obviously, we were... You know, we had a couple guys down today. Um, Elvis and, and Yoel were down. Um, so when we took the lead, you know, we went for Hobie and we had the first three hitters of the eighth. And just to, to get all three out um, and to have a crisp inning there was was really impressive. And it just, you know, extends a string of just great performances from from the guys down there. So, um, you know, that, that wasn't thinking Hobie for two innings when he, when he entered, entered the game for sure was... You know, thinking we're going to have to get outs in the eighth with somebody who normally doesn't do it. Um, hope, he, hope he did a heck of a job with it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, what, what, what else can you say? I mean, that's just, um, it's, it was an important series. Um, you know, he came in today and he said, I want the ball today in, in, the, in the ninth. Um, 
and uh, it worked out, and he, he pitched a great inning and, and uh, one-run game. So Bryce Wilson, Milner, Pagaro, Piams, Williams, the Brewers' core relievers of the past two months, nine and one-third scoreless innings in the series while allowing one hit and two walks with 13 strikeouts. A lot of love coming from that. The question is, uh, we did see it yesterday, the offense coming alive, but the Brewers went in some close affairs Friday and Saturday. Will this offense come alive? Will the Brewers go and get something? I mean, Rowdy Tellez down now uh, a couple more weeks, and you have uh, some of these dudes who just really can't do much. Christian Yelich, though, coming alive. Um, Rowdy, can this offense turn it around? It's going to, it's again, it's, you have to rely on your veteran players that have been there, done that, that have been those type of players in the past. Like, if you looked at the Milwaukee Brewers and their roster right now, hitting wise, Christian Yelich is doing pretty much exactly what you were hoping Christian Yelich would do since basically 2020. And so, like, there's no issue there. Or you look at William Contreras, probably the last month or so, he really started coming on. And he's continuing to play well post-break. That's another guy that you continue to wish brings the bat and the bats, bats trending up. But other than those two guys, like, look around. Who's really been playing up to ability or up to potentially past seasons? Like, Willie Adamas is nowhere near where he has been the last couple of years. Betting 212. Rowdy Telez is nowhere near where he was the last couple of years. And I know we mentioned how he's not going to be playing for a while, but he was... And before that injury was anticipated to come back actually tomorrow. Um, But yeah, just in general, you relied on three rookies. They've all been, or Garrett Mitchell goes down in the first like month. All of them have played really good defense. They're just missing the sticks. And then you you just go on from there. It's like Luis Arias. He was injured for like the first couple months. He's been horrible. He's in triple a like, Jesse Winker, everyone's messaging, you know, he every other day it's time to DFA him. Winker the stinker. You know, you look at uh, Tyrone Taylor. He started the season out hurt, <laughs> and he's pretty much stunk when he has played. Yeah. Like there's honestly, outside of uh, outside of uh, Christian Yelich and William Contreras, you know who are the guys that are like, hey, this guy's been better than expected? It's Victor Carantini, who's the backup catcher. Yeah. So he's really only playing when William Contreras needs days off. That's not, that's not the best combination when you're talking about guys that are having good seasons. Or I guess you could say Owen Miller has hit the baseball pretty well. I know he's kind of been in a free fall because he was, you know, hitting over 300 for the longest period of time in the first couple months. And he hasn't necessarily been as good the last month as he was the first two, two and a half. But, I mean, overall, for what you would expect for a guy that was supposed to be a utility player, come in and, you know, play on guys' days off, Owen Miller's been relatively good. Outside of that, though, you really can't name, like, Brian Anderson had his three weeks where he was hot. Hasn't been that great since. Like, there's there's really only four expectation levels, probably four guys that you would say they are exceeding expectations. So, yeah, there's a lot, a, a lot of room for guys to start playing better. But are we just going to have a bad luck year where a lot of guys seem to have their career worst years in the same year? Well, it's like, and we talked about this a couple of times too. It's like the Brewers have always had, when they had the batting, they never had the pitching. They had the pitching, they don't have the batting. And then you look at what's going on right now. You have, you know, the, the starters are balling, the bullpen's balling. Devin Williams, you know, is getting save after save after save. Are we going to have another thing where they go into the playoffs? Because, you know, I, I, I'm assuming the Brewers are going to win the division here. It's theirs to lose. And then if they get to the playoffs, we're going to see lights out stellar performances. You know, get a Brandon Woodruff back, you get a Corbin Burns out there. Are we going to see lights out pitching? And then just for, uh, what, against the Braves last go-around, it was two Rowdy Telez home runs? That was the only runs they got? I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at... Uh, I know, Rowdy Telez ain't going to be doing that if he keeps this up. You look at that bullpen, you kind of mentioned all the names that were basically the only guys that pitched against the Reds. And it was, you know, starting from... Uh, the earliest, Bryce Wilson. Bryce Wilson's been really, really good for the Milwaukee Brewers this year. He was a guy that was a a uh, big prospect, actually, for the Atlanta Braves, came up and was a starter for a second here and there. Then he was traded to the Pirates, and the Pirates kind of made him the 
bullpen slash spot starter type guy, and now the Brewers said, hey, let's just make you a full-time bullpen guy. He's been really good. I mean, same thing with Piguero. Piguero was in the Hunter Renfro deal. You knew that you weren't going to sign Renfro long-term, and this would have been his last year, so you got to get something for him. He was one of the pieces. He's been a really good setup guy. Uh, Joel Piams. I believe he was in the William Contreras deal. Like, you got another good setup guy in in that. And then, obviously, Devin Williams has been really good all-star. But you look outside of those four guys, Hobie Milner's been pretty good. Remember, he was a question mark where, you know, he's coming off of his best year, but can he do it again? Because mm-hmm. he, he had been a guy that had seen uh, parts of MLB seasons basically since 2017, but only had that one true really good year. Well, he's followed it up and he's been pretty good. It's really just kind of been everyone else that's not those four guys, right? Yeah. Like Peter Strzelecki had a really good year last year, but just like Hobie Milner, could he do it again? Well, he's in AAA now. Not that he's been, not that he was terrible, but he wasn't as good as they were hoping for or maybe expecting. But then it was basically just a, a collection of dudes, right? Yep. Like it was a revolving door of these guys that have had a little taste of, of big league ball but haven't consistently been good, and they haven't been able to find anybody that, that can really be consistent as those low-leverage guys. It's basically those top four in your bullpen and – you roll the dice if it's not those four guys. What's the? Obs- I don't really, I don't think you know the answer, but I'm going to ask it. What's the obsession of Jesse Winker with Craig Council? I don't know. I think maybe he's just a maybe he's a good clubhouse guy. Maybe he's like that you know older veteran type. Because if you look at the roster, like he stinks. If you look at the roster outside of Yelich. I mean, there's not really a, and there's not really an old veteran. So I, I, I'm thinking maybe it's that's his role. He's the older veteran leader like type he go, guy. He goes out there to show the guys what not to do. Because you look at the rest of the roster, it's like Yelly is one of the older guys at this point, and I should say older guys that have played big league baseball a long time for a yeah, long. Didn't he term. just get his ten years? Yeah, it's Yelich, and relatively, this is a younger team. I don't get the obsession with Winker. Like, if we just saw a guy, uh, uh, Shane Rock on Twitch says, "Is it time to bring up Keston again? Batting three eleven, fourteen bombs, forty six RBIs." Yes, yes, it is. Look at what they've done. You look at all the guys that they've used this year. Abraham Toro, who's another guy in in those off season trades, he was used as a depth piece. That that was probably what you expected. Darren Ruff. Picked off the scrap heap. Then he fractured his knee running into the tarp. Remember that? Yep. <laughs> There's that, another freak injury. Add that yeah. to the list. John Singleton, again, a big-time prospect for the Astros a decade ago. <laughs> he hasn't done much. Uh, Tapia, again, big-time prospect for the Rockies. Hasn't been super consistent in big league baseball. Hasn't played well. Luis Arias is in AAA for a reason. Not playing well and hurt. Mitchell, unfortunately, gets injured. Luke Voigt, another guy that tore the cover off the baseball in spring, got to the legitimate season, and could not hit the ball very well. Mike Brasso got DFA'd. He's in AAA. That was another guy that, you know, the last couple of years had actually played decently well for the Brewers as a utility guy. Hasn't worked out. But I would say overall, probably the most disappointing guys this season is you would have for expectation levels or what you were hoping you could get. It's, it's gotta be Rowdy Telez. He's been terrible. If they, if they DF, if they DFA'd Rowdy Telez tomorrow, most people wouldn't be surprised and or care. <laughs> Same thing with Jesse Winker. And I think, uh, there has been a growing faction and I agree with this. Tyrone Taylor's been bad too. If they DFA'd him, I wouldn't, Bad an eye. I mean, you think about, remember, what was that, 2021, where Tyrone Taylor actually came out of nowhere and had that really big second half, and Yelich was just terrible. Yeah. And it was like, because I remember I took some heat. I think it was in by August of that year. I was like, hey, they need to start playing Tyrone Taylor some more. He's hot, and Yelich just doesn't have it, doesn't have it. And Tyrone Taylor had his good 2021, and then last year wasn't that great. Now this year... Uh, I know he's been dealing with injuries in both seasons, but he hasn't been good. But remember, he was a guy in 2020 where 
He was uh, was it UPS or yeah UPS FedEx one of the other yeah, yeah one of one of those type companies where he was going to go get a job because he thought he was done and then they had shut down minor league baseball and he was because he was not a top prospect he was like a you know a guy that was kind of toiling away in double triple A and he was getting older like he's not young either no they they could they could move on from him and I wouldn't uh, be too upset. <laughs> <laughs> so they're hey by the way if they're looking to create a space for a guy like Keston here or a guy like Sal Freelick in have, the future you have many answers you have multiple guys that uh, mm. I don't think uh too many people would be super surprised if they were DFA you could just kind of like blindfold yourself and throw a dart at a dartboard and be like yep that's the one uh all right we have Brewers off tonight though in Philly tomorrow <laughs> Wisconsin football is stacking dudes named Dylan D I L I N this one <laughs> Four-star running back, D-I-L-I-N. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Dylan Jones. Whenever I see that spelling, all I can think of is days and confused. L-I-V-I-N. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. You know what I like right. about running backs? They all come from New Jersey. <laughs> and they all stay the and they same. And they all stay the same age. Uh, this guy, well, I guess he goes out of Maryland, though. But, boys. <laughs> they all come from the East Coast. Yeah, they all come from the East Coast. <laughs> and they're the same age. Uh, Jones, Dylan Jones, rated the fifth best player in the state of Maryland and the 13th best running back in the country. He's also the second highest rated back the Badgers have landed since 2013. Who's the other one? Uh, Jalen Berger. Jalen Berger. <laughs> Five foot eleven, 180 pounds. He held more than 30 offers from Maryland, Michigan, Florida State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, others. And now Booyashika, the third running back in this class for 2024, joining Darian Dupree and Gideon Etuka. So the Badgers now have 20 commits in the class, ranked 17th in the country. You said Rivals has them at 12th. What do you think of the stacking of the running backs, boys? Well, that's that's another thing. It's like, depending on where you look, some of these guys are considered four stars. Some are considered three stars. And it just really depends on the publication. But uh, I did see, and I do believe that the Wisconsin Badgers now, let's see, they have, I think it was seven or eight four-star players in this class, mm-hmm. which is now it was 17 going into the weekend. I believe the best class according to 24-7, which only goes back to 1999, their best class was ranked 16th, and that was actually in the Paul Christ era. That was 2021, which was their very best class. Uh, Rivals has it at eight. Oh, four stars. Well, which one do you want to go with? I mean, it's it doesn't, doesn't really matter. At, it doesn't really matter. At this it point, matter. it only matters what they do when they – Start playing for when the Badgers. Yeah, uh, so it's been a hell of a whirlwind. The Luke Fickle bat, bat symbol has been up a lot lately. What last week it was the the other four star running back, the Darion, and then what we flipped that defensive lineman from Northwestern. I think it was a three star though. Uh, not that it matters. Yeah, the three star defensive tackle. <laughs> not that it matters. And his name is also Dylan as well, but D I L L A N. Yeah, out of yeah. Northwestern, uh, Northwestern to Bucky. I don't know. We keep talking all this hype, all this hype, all this hype about the Luke Fickle era. Um, again, haven't yet to, to do anything of substance besides, I guess, practice. Well, boys, um, how are we feeling as the hype continues to grow surrounding this team? Um, like, like Zach's always said, though. Uh, haven't done anything. The, but. the people who've been at the practices, and so for mostly just media, um, they're – talking about what they see every day, and it looks like this is going to be an improved offense. Mm-hmm. Whereas the public, who got to see the launch and saw, you know, not great performances out of quarterbacks, people seem to be a little skeptical. And you see people say, well, yeah, you can do all the recruiting you want, but until you get on the field. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like That's that. the way it goes. Like that impersonation. Yeah. Um, Zach Halpern was on the Bill Michael show when Grant was on last week, and Grant was talking about, you know, like, okay, well, everyone, well, you just said, RJ, well, they saw the open practice, the launch, and Tanner Mordecai threw a bunch of picks, and it stunk. And Zach's like, well, I saw, like, uh, 14 other practices. Right. And they were phenomenal. And yet, you go the other way. Oh, you didn't have a recruiting department for 19 months. But yet you still were getting good results on the field, except for the past couple of years. Um, <laughs> so you fire a guy. I mean, there's, there's, you can look at it from any way you want and make the situation be in your favor. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the reality of the fact is you have to show everything you're doing on the field. If that doesn't happen, you can be the best recruiter in the world. We've seen it for, uh, you know, basketball programs, football programs, head coaches who can recruit and maybe reach their limit as a coordinator who get the opportunity to be a head coach. And it doesn't work. Well, two positives going for Wisconsin being that this is the first year with the, you know, Luke Fickle, Phil Longo offense. You don't play on week zero, which is the opening week of college football. The one before the Labor Day weekend uh, college football week that always kicks it off. You don't play on week zero and you get Buffalo week one Mm -hmm. and Buffalo. I don't think anyone's going to confuse Buffalo with a good team. That's a team that thankfully it's yeah. Thankfully it's Buffalo, not LSU, not insert some big school or heck even a Penn state. Like they've played in the past. Yeah. It's Buffalo now. Yeah. You'll get a little bit more of a test when you have to go to Washington state, but Washington state's only projected to win six to seven games this year. Now the Badgers are eight or nine. If you're looking at win totals. Mm -hmm. So again, that's another one where you say, okay, this will be a step up, clearly a step up from Buffalo and it's on the road, but we'll get tested. And then you have Georgia Southern, which again, that is a team that you should definitely handle. It's at home. Then you jump into the big 10 season. So at least for the most part, those first three games should help the Badgers try and figure out what this is exactly going to look like and who this team is going to be heading into the Big Ten, uh, you know, season. It's not like they're playing the toughest non-conference, you know, season like they have in the past. Yeah. Would now that we've had some time to think and that there's more excitement and everyone's really stoked up and you got all these like the bat symbol out and these were four-star recruits coming in, yada yada yada. Uh, looking back on it, Captain Hindsight, right now. Have we gotten over the Jim Leonard stuff? Like, how fast did you get over the Jim Leonard? We're not hiring him and going fickle. I was over Jim Leonard getting not getting hired the second they said his name was Luke, Luke fickle. fickle. Yeah, I mean, you think everyone else is coming around? Like, if Jim Leonard was a coach, would we be getting this much hype with these recruits? These four stars all coming. I mean, in? if he was bringing them in, yeah. Do you, like, do you if, think if he, he was been, bringing though? in the same kind of recruit, yeah, yes, you would still be getting that hype. Would we be getting this though? Yeah, like if you're bringing in this recruiting class, you're going to get the hype no matter who you are. Yeah, like, do you think he would have been bringing in this recruiting class? He very well could have. We don't know. I know we don't. But. And, I mean, it all depends on what if his vision was implemented and all that kind of stuff. We don't know. But if he was bringing in this type of recruiting class, he absolutely would have been because throughout the regular season, when there looked like there was a little bit of a turnaround, yeah. people were – talking about him leonard <laughs> himothy leonard. so like yeah i think had he been able to pull in this kind of recruiting class after being named a head coach yeah yes but like if he was bringing in the three stars and a couple of four stars like we had seen in the past people would be like we didn't hire him for this <laughs> well i'll but, say i don't think you would be seeing this type of recruiting because jim leonard would be they said if he was bringing in these type of recruits Jim Leonard is a guy that he had never been a head coach before. Obviously, Luke Fickle is is connected with Ohio State. He's a guy that's coached in a college football playoff. Uh, he basically helped rebuild the Cincinnati program into a more legitimate school. Again, not saying that maybe in 10 years, Jim Leonard isn't on the Luke Fickle level, but he's not right now. And... It was a ballsy kind of out of left field hire from Macintosh, and the you would have been upset if they would have brought in a you know insert lower level name if they would have passed on Jim Leonard. If it was man, who was who were some of the guys being linked to it? Um, wasn't it the Washington State head coach because he's from the state of Wisconsin? I can't think of what his name is right now off the top of my head. Dinkle. No, is it? It's something weird like that, isn't it? I what a, Dicker? Dicker? I think no. it was. Or is that Dicker the Dickert? Dickert. 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 We were close. 
But yeah, <laughs> like Dickel. he was. Remember, he was on the on the Dickel. you know like the top five list for it because he had ties to the state. Uh, Washington State overall had played much better than expectations. Mm-hmm. They beat the Badgers. Uh, Lance Leipold was also linked to it. If they would have hired somebody kind of like on those type of levels or names. I would have been probably more upset than letting Jim Leonard get his feet wet for the first few years and seeing what he can do because of the ceiling that he has. But when you announce a Luke Fickle type name, like I don't know where you would put Luke Fickle on your top coaches in college football, but he's probably in the top 15 for me just blindly if I had to name coaches that I would probably prefer over Luke Fickle, he's definitely in the top 15. Yeah. Jim, like Jim Leonard, I couldn't say that for, but we had, no, he's, yeah. he's got an unknown ceiling, but I would say right now what he did in 2023 and what he's doing in 2024, I do not think Jim Leonard could do that in 2023 and 2024. Maybe he could in 2030, but he couldn't right now. Yeah, We'll enjoy the ride right now with uh, Fickle and the bat symbol. All right. News of the weird coming up. First line one. Good morning. Okay. All righty then. Uh, flush of the toilet. Thank you for that. <laughs> An idea of who that might have been. Who? Who do you think? Uh, one of the idiots. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Hey, well, guess what? They're still listening, and we appreciate you for that. That was <laughs> that was on the same page. <laughs> that was really funny. That was hilarious. I appreciate you listening and uh, taking time out of your day to stay and hold for twelve minutes just to do that. Thanks for listening to our Wisconsin football segment. Awesome stuff. All right, news of the weird coming up here. But, yes, that rankings for the Badgers uh, keep growing. Yeah. More four-stars coming in. And anyone named Dylan, I'm welcome I'm, welcome to Wisconsin. Like, in looking at it, I'm trying to figure out how many scholarships they have for next year. Because, I mean, I'd have to look and see who's actually on scholarship on this. Well, they better have at least two more because... I know of at least two more ways that we can spell Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a straight up D-I-L-L-O-N? No. Not in this class, but also you can spell it. I've seen it spelled D-I-L-L-I-O-N. Dillion? So we have opportunities for more, just, I don't want to say normal spelling. Dylan's on the roster right now? Just two in this one class? I thought there was another one. On this day in history, quite possibly one of the greatest up and down plays in the NBA to ever happen. It just so happened to unfold as the Milwaukee Bucks were taking on the Phoenix Suns with 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter, game five. Bucker the drive, gets inside, leans in, back away, it's stolen by Holiday. Phoenix has the foul. Series were tied at two apiece. It was in Phoenix. Booker goes up. Holiday strips him, dribbles down, throws the oop to Giannis Adenakumbo, the Greek freak who hits him with the mean mug. Bucks then go back to Milwaukee and get their first championship in 50 years. But on this day in history, July 17th, 2021, the throwdown from Giannis, the oop from Drew. Before that, the steal from Drew Holiday and Booker. What a play, Rowdy. You remember that thing? You remember that seeing that thing all unfold? What was more memorable, Woo! those plays or the guy in Phoenix counting the money? <laughs> the, the, the trash bag dirt ball like, with his with his fake gold chains and his counting his... Like, obviously, there were, were some big Drew Holiday and Giannis plays, whether it be the oop or the block or, you know, obviously people remember that. Yeah. But I feel like... Everybody remembers the money man. Yeah, the guy just counting his stack the of money. The money man in Phoenix. There were a lot of interesting characters in Phoenix whenever they would cut to the crowd. Remember that one guy who looked like he just came from a Grateful Dead show? He's like looked like he was tripping balls, like some dirty hippie guy. And he was there, like looks like he was on all, whatever psychedelic he could find. <laughs> it's the desert, man. <laughs> the desert brings a lot of weird uh, out in there. Yeah, but on this day in history, one of the greatest moments uh, ever. That was... 
uh, so badass as, you know, they cut to Milwaukee. Everyone's just sitting in the seat. The lead and the turnover as the Bucks now up by three and a free. Drew Holiday gets into the pitcher, comes up with the strip, turning the basketball over and then off to the races. Could have held it out. Instead, made the right read. Throws it up where only Giannis can catch it. Finishes it with the contact. Bad decision to foul. Unbelievable. Like, that was just unbelievable. And you know what's crazy about all of that is that if you go back, you know, before the Phoenix series and you talk about how Kyrie Irving went down <laughs> yeah. for the for the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant, when he hit that shot, his unfortunately for him, his shoes were like one size too big. Yeah, I'm sorry, your feet and you're like, big. you think about that. If those things don't happen now, I get it. You have to have everything kind of go your way to win a championship. You got to have luck. Mm-hmm. But you're like, how much different would be feeling about this Bucks team after coming up short in 2022, and then kind of the, uh, you know, re-signings of Brooke Lopez and and Chris Middleton had they not won that championship? Because I feel like we would be like, yeah, this team is good, but they haven't won. They've been close, but they always find a way not to do it. So yeah, thankfully they got it done. But where would we be if uh, some of those things didn't happen? Yeah, we'd be back to the nut kick continuum. Like, what the hell? Um, would Giannis even be wanting to stick around, um, you know, two years later? Would he be Are they wanting actually to be going here? to be re-inking up Chris Middleton? Yeah. Doesn't it almost seem like, yeah, I get it. It saves the, it saves the, the Bucks a little bit of money, but it gave Middleton, Chris Middleton a lot of long-term Yes. A lot of long-term stability with a still a pretty nice paycheck the next three years. Would they have even offered that if they never won a NBA championship? Yeah, it's a multiverse that I'm glad I don't live in uh, with the, the Bucks not living, winning that championship. Now, I mean, now you look at the Deer Rowdy and you think about it. Um, it goes back to like when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers won the Super Bowl. We thought a dynasty was unfolding. I mean, you have one of the best players uh, in the nation, uh, a generational talent, Giannis Adenokounmpo. Will they ever get back to a finals, and will they win another one? Will it be one of those disappointment arguments, you know, years down the road? It's like, wow, I can't believe we had Giannis Adenokounmpo. We had the best record in the NBA, and they they got beat by the Miami Heat in eight seed, and they were a number one seed. We'll be looking back on that like the Packers losing to the Giants uh, when they went 15-1, and one, you know? Yeah. <sighs> What? I just saw, I, I, since you bring that up, losing to the Giants with the Packers, 15-1, and one, Aaron Rodgers statistically his best year. The offense was just insanely good. I saw people on Twitter bringing up the is Eli Manning a Hall, Hall of, of Famer, Famer. and then he, they're talking about his two Super Bowl runs and some of the teams that he beat, and it just made me shake my head and go, of course, it was the Packers, 15-1. and one. For one of those two seasons, it's like some dumbass bad history uh, for our, our uh, Wisconsin teams. Well, Rowdy, I think I, I know my answer. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Well, like think think about Eli Manning and the fact that uh, he had two big time runs, obviously, where they won the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. both times it's like he needed a miracle to get it done. But it, it it's just Eli Manning. It was just that Giants team. If he doesn't look like the perpetual who farted look on his face, do we perceive him differently? If he doesn't look like he's like a uh, like a man child, do we perceive him differently? I actually think that <laughs> is, it, is it based on his looks. I don't think it's based on his looks or his resume. I almost feel like if this was a guy who didn't have the last name Manning, yeah, his family, I don't think he would be a Hall of Famer. If his name's like Eli Dunaway, if if he's anything. But Manning or some big time last name, it's like I don't think that he would be considered a Hall of Famer. I think he would be considered a nice player. Yeah. Because what? He had two really good big time years where they both had big time they they had a good defense. And they won two Super Bowls with crazy plays that they needed, absolutely needed. He practically stole the ring right off of Tom Brady's <laughs> finger twice. <laughs> Like, other than that, it's not like this guy ever led the league in passing. It's not like this guy ever led the league in quarterback rating. It's not like this guy ever led the league in touchdowns. Like, he was a nice player when he was in his prime. He wasn't. He's like Kirk Cousins. Who would you rather have in their prime, Eli Manning or Kirk Cousins? 
I don't think there's or are that, they, are they interchangeable? I don't think there's that much of a difference between Eli Manning and Kirk Cousins quarterback wise, but one won two Super Bowls and has a last name Manning. The other one has zero Super Bowls and basically gets thrown in the trash whenever he's brought up. <laughs> yeah. Eli, are Eli Manning and Kirk Cousins interchangeable? Uh, let's go to the phones. Line one. Hello. Who's this? It's long, long past Sasquatch Mike. Dude, Mike, I thought you got thrown in like a FEMA camp or something. Where in the hell have you been? The FEMA camp. Then I went to the pit of hell. Then I came out and I went to Joe Biden's house and had a picnic with him. Did he sniff you? Ah, you're he too old. Smelled, you're too old. He asked any young kids that he could play with. They didn't send you to Gitmo, did they? <laughs> you didn't get waterboarded, did you? No, nah, I've been I've been traveling, guys. I've been out west, uh, the west coast, and um, yeah. Well, we've, so, we've been missing you, Sasquatch. I've been wondering if you're going to resurface again. I thought I thought maybe I, they I got you. you I miss you guys too, and I and I wanted to know where Ken Benny's been. You know, I know he's gone now. He's 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 in the heart of Philadelphia. Pray for him. Yeah, he can go back with his Eagles. That's where he belongs anyway. You yeah, know, his East Coast elitism. You know, he couldn't handle too much in the Midwest. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't get his Philly cheesesteak sandwiches anywhere in Madison. So. <laughs> uh, but What's anyway, going on, guys, dude? What's I have no idea what you're talking about because you just called in. I don't have you on the radio. I'm in the car, so. Uh, well, take but, uh, take us to whatever direction you'd like to go. Well, I was watching uh, get up this morning with uh, Mike Greenberg, and they were well, they were kind of ranking the um, the quarterbacks in the NFC North, and. Uh, they got Mr. Mr. Love and Mr. Fields tied for the bottom. Yeah. And uh, Mike Greenberg says uh, they, they got they got uh, obviously uh, Jared Goff at the top, and then Kirk Cousins second. And then those two are going to work their way up, probably passing Kirk Cousins. But I'll be honest with you, I don't think Justin Fields. I'll think he'll be he'll finish at the bottom because he can't throw. Yeah, and that Bears roster, I don't know. You know, not a big believer in it. I don't know. Do you um, think? I mean, what, what's your perception of Jordan Love? I know. Um, I think you're. If I remember correctly, were you ready to move on and see what Love had? Yeah, yeah, I was ready to. I, I, I'm anxious to see. But here's the big question I have for you guys. And I know what um, Bill Michaels said a couple weeks ago. But what what do you guys think? How how much time do we give Jordan Love? Let's say he has a stub par, just a below average year or average to below average do we give him two years because his contract that's the sticky part that's the only thing that's bad about this situation because you almost he's been on the roster for what this is going to go his fourth season Mm -hmm. and you know he's never played really so we don't know what we have we have a rookie is what we have so you can't give a rookie one year you have to give him two years Uh, but the problem is at the end of this year you have to pay him the big money or he goes. So what? that's kind of a – I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about that. I think it's an interesting take because I feel like there's a big-time spectrum here where it's like if you see Jordan Love go out there and he's not, he's not good, like it, it's bad, and everyone knows it's bad, and there's obviously – Sean Clifford's not going to be playing no matter how bad Jordan Love is because he's even worse. And – Clearly, yeah. this is Jordan Love's year, and if 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 it's not close, like you don't see any flashes, Packers are going to be one of the worst teams in football, probably. And you go boom, and you draft Drake May, you draft Caleb Williams, you grab one of those best quarterbacks. But if it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers, where it, you know they struggled in year one, but he clearly showed that he was capable of being a decent quarterback in this league. Well, then yeah, I think he obviously is getting a, a you know a second year. It's just he. I think he gets at least a second year unless the Packers are that bad that they have the ability to draft one of those top couple quarterbacks next year. So he would have to be clearly bad. It'll be better for the Packers if he's either really good or he really stinks. And I say that because if he really stinks, the Packers are going to be bad, and then you're going to get maybe number one, one through five draft pick. Okay, and you get that quarterback you want, but. But then we're then they're going to become Chicago Bears. They're going to be like, okay, that guy didn't work. Next, next, like the other thirty-two or thirty-one NFL teams that haven't had the great uh, success that the Packers have had over the last you know thirty years between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, you guys, and this is the, the one thing I got to say. I don't want to take up the airline airwaves too long, but I 
have to, and then leave me on for five minutes if you can so I can listen. But I, I just, I, I don't know, guys. The thing that sucks, and I, and growing up living in Chicago, okay, uh, I was a, I was a Bulls fan back when they won the six championships, okay. Michael Jordan obviously is going to go down in history as one of the best to ever play the game. Okay, you can argue between him and LeBron James and and all the other players that you know held that basketball, but. He's still going to go down as the top two or, two or three players that ever played the game. No player ever matched it. Is, is another quarterback going to come in here and be able to accomplish what Aaron Rodgers has been able to accomplish? I'm not talking about no. going to the Super Bowl, but I'm talking about, you know, tit for tat. Every, you know, every statistic, his arm, the quickness, the, the, the threat. I mean, no one ever thought that was possible, but then here comes Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes can pretty much do everything Aaron Rodgers can do. But can the Packers get another quarterback like that? And that's, you know, I, I, you get the, the, the two-factor. Can you get the trifecta? That's what Bill Michaels says. You can't. It's going to be hard to get three. You saw the 49ers do it with Young and Montana. Uh, it, it, you know, Packers with Favre and Rodgers. Well, look at all the other teams. Look at every team in the NFL, Mike. When How many teams out there are desperately searching for just a quarterback with a shred of Aaron Rodgers' talent? You know, like the odds of it happening yeah. three times are just, no, like astronomical. So, so I'll wrap this up, and I'm going to hang up, guys. And please well, don't hang up. i, I got to ask you something after you're done with your piece here. Okay, yeah, I won't hang up. Uh, so here's my question. Because the expectation, because – as Packer fans, we've been spoiled with stardom of the quarterbacks for 30 years in Green Bay. What at, at that level? What what are we? What is? Are we going to be unfair to Jordan Love? Going well, you know what? He's only as good as Kirk Cousins. Well, let's say he's Kirk Cousins quality. Let's say he's Jared Goff quality. Is that acceptable? Or are we going to just be? Real arrogance. Nope. He's got to be Aaron Rodgers or he's out of here. I mean, if you know what I'm saying. You just put Kirk Cousins as a top 12 quarterback? Yeah, I would say I think Kirk Cousins, if I had to list them out, is probably a top 12 quarterback in this league. I think you take a top 12 quarterback. He's good. He's not great. Right. I think he's good. Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff. I would take. Let me ask you guys a question. Would you take Jared Goff or, or Kirk Cousins right now? Kirk Cousins. Cousins, yeah. Jared Goff has been good for two years in his career, and he's been very inconsistent. And when he's not been these, you know, his two years—the year that the Rams went to the Super Bowl, and the year just last season with the the Lions—I think if I had to pick one quarterback, who would I rather have? It's Kirk Cousins. If I would want to pick a quarterback in a situation where he's got a lot of skill and talent around him. It's clearly Jared Goff now with the Lions because the Lions are acquiring a lot of talent. You look at Kirk Cousins, yeah, he's got Justin Jefferson, but he lost Adam Thielen. He lost Dalvin yep. Cook. He's lost some of these weapons. Now I know he has Hawkinson and some of those guys, but overall I think the Lions have better skilled positions. But, uh, yeah, if I had to put him like on a individual quarterback rating, I got Cousins in the top 12. I'd probably put Goff probably somewhere around 15. Yep, and I put Justin Fields at 31. <laughs> <laughs> Who's 32? Could Josh Hader and a Milwaukee Brewers reunion be possible? Well, <laughs> this is making its rounds now. Hell, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago uh, when uh, there's a video of Josh Hader on that podcast with uh, uh, who was the old Brewer. Uh, he was the one name that didn't belong in all of them. Uh, the catcher. What was the hell was his name? Old man. Uh, Kratz. Eric Kratz. Uh, Eric Kratz. Uh, they were talking about like you know hater you know saying what you know the Brewers might do at the trade deadline. Could we see a hater Brewers reunion? Possible? Is it possible? I don't think so. I mean this this is everything the Brewers don't do: picking up a decent amount of salary at the end of the season, um, trading away prospects that it would take. Even though it's a guy that again is not controllable for the foreseeable future. So I I don't see this happening, especially because Josh Hader. It was just on their team. Yeah. Now I did actually have this thought over the weekend though, where you're sitting there because remember who the GM was that technically traded Josh Hader, David, David Stearns, Stearns. Yeah. a guy that is still technically employed by the Milwaukee Brewers. I think it affected him so hard. He had to step down from his role and give it to Matt Arnold. But remember who came out and was like, Oh, Oh, Nope. This wasn't me. This wasn't me. This was David Mark Adonazio. Yeah. Mr. We need air conditioning units himself. I'm sitting there going, 
if Matt Arnold, who is a David Stearns guy, he was brought in by David Stearns, was a David Stearns guy, rose up quick through the ranks, and was basically his right-hand man until he took over when Stearns like, yeah, I'm going to kind of just transition to a you know, a consultant role for the next year. And then I'm probably going to move over and become the Mets GM, especially because the Mets are continuing to met. Yeah. Well, do you think a, that this was actually David Stearns doing this, making knowing, knowing it was a bad trade and knowing that uh, Mark Ananasio would approve of it because it was shedding salary uh-huh, uh-huh. and they could say whatever they want. They clearly just didn't want to pay a reliever, you know, roughly $15 million. Yeah. Or if they do reacquire Josh Hader, is this Mark Ananasio who clearly was the one that's saying, you know what, we, we got to get something for him. We, we don't want to pay that salary. A throwing David Stearns under the bus and letting his boy, Matt Arnold come in, make it and try to go back and, and right his wrongs and be like, we were wrong, but it was also David. <laughs> and then he goes on and, and becomes the general so, manager of the Mets. So can Mark Ananasio do this one time to try and get back into the fans? Good graces all while still having a fall man, a.k.a. old David Stearns, old GM David Stearns, and then he goes to the Mets and he'd be like, see, he was, he, he, we, had this, <laughs> we had these private chats where David knew he was a New York guy. It was his favorite team Should growing up. Sabotage you know, us. He, he, wanted, he wanted to be there. We had already known that you know, he, was, he was looking at transitioning over to another team. And you know what? And he was a general manager, and, you know, I, I don't put my hands in that t- side of the business. I just let the general manager do his thing. But you know what? I, I came in and I said, you know what, Matt, I think it's time that we go for it. And you know what? I'll pay that extra five, six million that we'll have to pick up, and we'll see if we can't figure out something after the season. So what you're <laughs> telling me it. I could see it. is this is the long play from Mark Adonazio to win back f- uh, public perception of himself uh, in the good graces as he's asking for more money for from, uh, yes, I I feel taxpayers. like clearly bring back Josh Hader to save face. What GM, me market like this is the thing. It's like what GM would say. You know what? I actually don't want to be in a situation where we can spend pretty much all the money we want. We can you know make these trades or go target players that because like think about it. Every GM in baseball when it's free agent time when it's time to sign people. Everyone obviously for the most part wants the Bryce Harpers or the Mike Trouts or just most of them actually aren't afforded the ability to go actually sign them if they wanted to. Yeah. How many clamps do you think were actually put on David Stearns? Because clearly it's a lot where he knows he can't go out and maybe trade for these type of players and give away half of the farm or he he knows he can't go sign some of these guys. I think that this is this would be a great opportunity for Mark Ananasio to, to literally use that and say, see, that was David Stearns. I was never in control. You're onto something. But we can go get Hater, and he's never even going to pay the money. We can go get Hater to do it right this year because we're contending. We were contending last year, but David decided to do that. Yeah, I'll David. pay that. I'll pay the five or six million that it would cost to bring in Hater for the rest of the season. And it'll make everyone forget about it all. Now we won't sign Hater no. because I'm not going to pay him 15 no. plus million dollars. We'll that's, that's crazy. But I'll rent him, and then I will say, "See, we were going for it, and see, that was David. It wasn't me. I okayed Matt Arnold, but he gets out of it cheaper because he didn't have to pay his entire salary yep. for the full year. Yep. They're this is a good conspiracy because, theory. Because it's a like rental, this. he's not going to have to give up as much as it would be to acquire a player with two or three years. And it's a reunion of a guy oh, that people love. Fans will love it. Was a brewer. Obviously, he's having one of his better seasons. And Mark Ananasio can play it all off as the fact. I don't it think this, this wasn't the plan, but this became a new plan like a month ago. Oh, no. You know, Mark Ananasio is like, dude, I've been taking a lot of heat lately. We got to get together in my war room and devise a, a, a public perception plan. 
the PPP, the Public Perception Plan for Market Anasio, to get fans back on his side instead of just screaming at him for pinching every penny as hard as he can. And then, yeah, and he could sell it as he was taking, like, by the we're way, taking we need new, a lot of salary. And here. we need new air conditioning units. Uh, open up your checkbooks for me, please. Outside of those four relievers that we named, obviously the bullpen, there's a lot more to be desired. You're hoping for more consistency. But once you get outside of Pagaro, Wilson, Apiams, and, and Williams, it's like yeah. – you're grasping at straws. You could, you would love to have another veteran proven, been there, done that. And obviously, haters been there, done that. Yeah, it's all about hearts and minds. In the Robbie. Brewer uniform. It's all about. I mean, it. Some of these guys in position to powers, they're like magicians. You watch. They make you watch what one hand's doing. Like maybe we'll bring back Josh Hader. While the other hand is fleecing taxpayer money and trying to get AC units uh, and parts off of eBay. He's what he's like. He's, he should be a politician. Do I think it actually happens? Like, Absolutely not. No, but, but it could it, be great. But that's my conspiracy theory. If it does happen, onto why they actually did it it's this like time. Politics, Rowdy. It's like, hey, we just sent a bunch of troops to Ukraine. We're gonna go and you know we're droning you know families, innocent families in the Middle East. But guess what? We want to give back student loans. How about that? Look who's the bad guy now? Not me, who just droned an innocent family. No, I'm giving money back. To people that took out loans. It's a magician, Rowdy. Margaret and Ozzy. Well, when did that come to you? That was nice. Uh, it was this weekend. Well done, Rowdy. Was that before or after uh, before. tobacco days? Before. Killed a couple brain cells that are Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of brain activity on Sunday. Yeah, hell yeah. Or, or physical moving activity. <laughs>